We're going to turn this morning to the gospel according to Luke chapter 11. We're looking through uh, this fall a variety of passages in Luke chapter 11, considering under the theme, the marvelous teachings of Jesus. And uh, I hope that as you go through this with me, that you will uh, be able to see by God's grace the marvels and wonders that Jesus teaches us. I know that as I've studied through this, I've, I've definitely... Uh, regained some of my love and appreciation for the teaching of Jesus, just how simple, but yet how profound, how diverse the application of it is, and just how we can take these things in, and they have so many uses for us. And so uh, uh, let's read the Word of God and trusting that the Lord will do the same for each one of us in our variety of circumstances in which we are. Luke chapter 11, beginning of verse 1. Reading through verse 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. O Lord our God, you have given us this word. You have sent your Son into this world to be our chief prophet and teacher. And we pray, O Lord, that you would teach us not only externally through the words, but in our hearts by your Spirit, as you have promised Lord, speak to each person here. We pray that you would lead us to a greater commitment to prayer. We do pray, as the disciples did long ago, teach us how to pray. Amen. Last May, um, I arrived in Egypt late in the night, and we went to Old Cairo, which is, is a walled city, and it was crowded with people, and it was super hot. And we went into our hotel room and got to bed like after midnight, and the noise of the city was all around us, and we were sitting there in the 90, de- laying there in the 90 degree weather, and sleeping on and off. And then about 3:30 in the morning, I heard this beautiful voice come across singing, and it was loud, and I knew what it was. It was the call to prayer, the Muslim call to prayer. And I'd heard it many times on TV, and it's kind of like off in the distance, and it sounds kind of, you know, kind of weird, and it's kind of maybe indiscernible, and of course it's in another language. But 
when I heard it, it was like, it was a really beautiful voice. And, you know, there's, of course, I have my differences with Islam, but having, um, hearing that call to prayer uh, made me think of prayer, and it went on continually. Day after day, you hear it in the background. It's a call to prayer. And when that call to prayer comes, you'll see something like I saw in the fish market in Hergada. And Hergada is on the Red Sea, and, and I was there, and I was taking a tour of the city with uh, our guide. And then there was a little part set aside where the, where the people were praying. And they had a place to wash their hands and their face. So they wash. Then they, then they kneel down and go all the way down to the ground. And they were praying at noon. There was a whole group of people who had just come aside. And they stopped what they were doing and prayed. And you know, as I, th- I thought about that, I imagine <laughs> that that's one of the things. It was something like that. That the apostles saw in the disciples of John, in the Pharisees, disciples of the Pharisees, and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to be people of prayer. We see these people of prayer around us. Teach us to be a people of prayer. And one of the things, it was not only their example, but it was also the fact that Jesus himself was praying. This was one time, it is recorded here, in which Jesus himself was praying a certain place. And they saw Jesus praying. And you, you notice that Luke, if you read through the book of Luke and compare it to the other Gospels, one thing that Luke does is he notes how in a lot of these events of Jesus' life, Jesus was praying when these great events occurred. For example, in the transfiguration, was Jesus shown like the sun, um, where he was at his baptism, when he was Uh, tempted, and so on. Luke continually notes that Jesus himself was a man of prayer. And so the disciples asked to be like Jesus, to be a people of prayer. And so I think all of us can say, probably to some degree or another, that when it comes to prayer, the flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And hardly any of us would say, yes, I pray sufficiently. I pray as I should. And for, for you who are in that situation where you have a spirit that wants to pray but feels like you're not there, Jesus is still here and he still answers the prayer and the request when we ask, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so I want you to look today at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. We're going to see three things basically in this passage. We're going to see the content of prayer, the persistence in prayer, and the God of prayer. So the content of prayer, persistence in prayer, and the God of prayer. So Jesus wants us to learn here the content of prayer. He tells us, ask and you will receive. Now when he says this, as we're going to see here a little bit later, he's not saying that every time we ask for something, we will immediately receive it in the very moment. But what he's saying is all sorts of things. Whatever it is that's on your heart, whatever difficulty you have, whatever challenge you have, it is a subject of prayer and you can ask the Lord. You don't have to act as if there's no hope, as if the door is shut, as if things can't be different because you can always have heaven open. Ask and you will receive. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. However, there are specific things that should inform our prayers. And we should not simply let our reactions to our current life drive our prayers. We should let the agenda of the Lord Jesus drive our prayers. And so I want you to see four things, four main topics. And you can slice this up in different ways if you want. But let me just mention first, we should pray about crises. And really, this is the time where we're most inclined to pray. The pray for the things that we need on a daily basis. Things when our physical life is not as it should be or we're concerned about providing for our physical life. And this is covered in the prayer that Jesus gives. Give us this day our daily bread. It means we ask God for the provision of our daily life. But uh, this also can extend out to our need for provision in a variety of other ways, our health, if we're struggling with our health, or other things that may inhibit us. If we need to sleep, asking the Lord to enable us to sleep. If we need our babies to sleep, asking the Lord to get our babies to sleep. And the Lord says, you know, wherever there's a crisis, wherever there's a difficulty, you should come unto me. And there's one, there's one event over the past couple of years that just has driven this point home to me And it's kind of like a continual guide for me to come back and ask the Lord when I'm in even a small crisis. And so so a few years ago, one of my daughters bought a bed. And she paid for this bed with her own money that she had raised up. And it was someone else's, and they were going to deliver it. And the weeks went by, and the weeks turned into months, and that bed didn't get delivered. And that child was waiting for the, the bed in order to complete this redesign of her room that she wanted to make. And it got very frustrating because it seemed like she began to start to wonder, am I really going to ever get this bed? And so I remember one day I asked her, Did you, have, you ever, have you prayed about getting this bed? And she said, no. And I said, well, let's pray together right now. And so we prayed that the Lord would bring that bed. And the next day, that bed was delivered. And it was a reminder of me that these, even the little things, you know, the things that we could survive without, the Lord cares, and the Lord, the Lord is there, and he will answer our prayers. And it's a continual reminder to me that when the bed doesn't arrive, I need to be praying to the Lord and not just simply worrying about it. So that's crises. But secondly, we should pray for God's praise. It should delight us more than anything else that the Lord's name would be praised because if we love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we want to see God praised and honored and glorified. This is, uh, this is sometimes not what we think about when we say, let's have prayer requests. We might not say, hey, I want God's name to be praised in this place or in this way. But it is something that Jesus begins with. When he begins with the Lord's Prayer, don't forget this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, praised be your name. May your name get the praise. And that is a reminder even that as we begin prayer, we should begin with praise. Uh, Not just say, thank you for this day, now give me this. But to let our hearts be lifted up to the Lord of prayer. And whenever I think of this, I always think of our dear brother Steve Bain, who is now... Uh, praising the Lord before his heavenly throne right now. But he always began that 
his prayers, and he was very deliberate. Father in heaven, you're the great and awesome God. You're the king and Lord of the universe. You are our savior, redeemer. And it's just every time when he would pray, he would do that in a way that was remarkable, that stood out, and it was kind of a reminder to everybody that our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So that's what we should pray about. Third, we should pray for God's kingdom. We should, we should note what we're praying for there is that the way God wants things to be in this world and in our lives would be the way that things are. That his reign would come into this world. And that we would see it manifested in people's lives being changed, in nations being changed, in families being changed, in businesses being changed, in churches being changed. So they more reflect the pattern of God, God has set forth in his word. So that his reign would come and his will would be done. This is good. This is something that we should pray for. It is a priority of God. He wants to see this world reshaped, reformed according to his pattern. And it's for our good. But you know, it's good for us too. We can get so bogged down in our daily lives. And we, it's like we get tunnel vision. All we see is the problems around us. But I always find when I can kind of lift my heart up, and pray for the big concerns of God's kingdom in the world, in our nation, with, uh, with my friends, for, with uh, mission, with the peop- things that people are doing out in the world. I kind of come back to my own problems, and it's a whole different perspective. And so it is a priority of God, but it's also a blessing to us to pray for God's kingdom. Then, fourth, we should pray for our character. We should pray for our character. Jesus says that... Lead us not into temptation. And there's a couple different ways in which we would not be led into temptation. One is that we wouldn't come into a circumstance where there's an opportunity to sin. But we all know that in this world, there's endless opportunities to sin. So how are we really going to not be led into temptation? It's by a change of our character so that when we come into situations where, where we have opportunity to sin, it's our the internal work of God that keeps us from moving in that direction. He wants God to defend us from that outwardly, but he also wants us to change us inwardly. We see that we can think of God... When we enter into this world, we're going to find people doing things that we don't want them to do. We're going to find inconvenient circumstances. Nothing's going to ever be quite right. And so we could, we could continually ask and hope that God will just change everything in the world to make it immediately convenient to us in the moment. Or we could say, change me so that I'm more able to accept the world as it is and give you glory in it and not let it disrupt my joy and peace and trust in you. And there's one thing, I, I've kept a journal, I've journaled a lot through the years. And I went back when I was preparing for this message to to look back at some of my prayer requests. And you know, my most common prayer requests were when I was having struggles with people. And it's interesting to note that very, very few times, though sometimes, the Lord has changed other people. But more often what the Lord has done is given me a new perspective that has enabled me to re-engage with people with greater gentleness, with greater peace, with less anxiety, and greater love. And that's what the Lord says. He closes this passage by saying that he'll give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. 
And the Holy Spirit enables us to love, to have joy, to have peace, to have patience. He's there for the asking. If there's one request that we can almost expect that we will experience almost immediately in in transformation, it's the transformation of our character. Not completely and all at once, but with progress and moving forward. God is at work, and he, that is his, one of his chief works in this world, is to make people like him, and he wants us to ask for it, and he wants to do things in our lives. But he also wants us to learn not only the content of prayer, but he wants us to learn persistence in prayer. That he wants us to pray and keep praying. That he doesn't want us to give up. That just because he doesn't answer everything immediately does not mean that we should stop praying. And he says this in a very simple and very memorable way, which Brennan uh, put into the service as kind of a refrain that we keep focusing on, but it's something we can think about over and over again. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. That's the second thing Jesus wants to learn. He teaches us to be persistent, to keep praying, to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. And Jesus teaches this from a story about hospitality. He, and he speaks of food. So he says you have friends who come late at night, and what do you do? Well, you go to the grocery store. You go to Walmart, right? Well, they didn't have that. In Jesus' day, the market was only open a certain part of the day. So if you, if you didn't have food and you needed it, where were you going to go? You were going to go to your neighbors. Now, what he says is that then this person has such a desire to show hospitality to his friend that he goes to his neighbor long after he's gone into bed, knocks on the door, and asks him to give him some food. And or the realistic response is what Jesus says. That the person is going to say, let me get it to you tomorrow. I'm already in bed. I don't want to get up. And so what Jesus says is, but the person who wants to give is going to keep knocking. And so what is the person going to do? I'm going to get this guy off my back. I'm going to give him the food. And then he can feed his friends. And so Jesus teaches us there that Even when you have a friend, like sometimes it's the shameless audacity that moves you forward and not necessarily the friendship. And so he uses that as what we might call an argument from the lesser to the greater. If when we're in need, we seek our friends and if we really press them, they'll help us, how much more will our Father in heaven, when we really press him, give us the things that we need? And so he teaches us that. Then Keep asking. Keep being audacious with God. Have some shameless audacity in prayer to ask for things boldly that you might not even expect that he would give. Now, why does God not give us everything immediately? Well, sometimes what we're asking for is not actually going to be helpful for us. And all of us probably have those experiences where we've prayed for things and then later found out, oh, I'm kind of glad that I didn't get that. Um, my wife told me one. So I actually came to a resolution in, 2000, in 2020, uh, it was 2020 or 2021. I said, you know, I've kind of traveled around. I've been every place. I said, I don't really feel any need to travel. 
So she actually prayed that I would have a desire in my heart to travel. And then the Lord, and she just told me this like two days ago. And, and now she's like, Lord, slow down his desire to travel. So it's like, man, I shouldn't have even asked for that. He's like going everywhere. And uh, so sometimes we see that. But at other times, I think it's also, you know, when God delays, it's a reminder to us that we need to look for God for his goodness. When he doesn't give us right away, we see our need and we see our need for his help. And so that keeps us asking. It keeps us humble before the Lord. It keeps us dependent upon the Lord. And we keep asking so that he gives to us. And that's the chief lesson Jesus wants them to learn about persistence. One of my favorite stories in church history is the story of Monica. And I've been rereading the Confessions by St. Augustine. And the... And uh, this is a great book that I highly recommend to read sort of in a devotional way. And um, one of the things about Augustine is he was, his mother was a Christian, and he grew up in the church. Uh, he had a- access to it, but he didn't, ha- he didn't believe. And he sought all sorts of other things, and he had a long journey before he became that great Christian leader that he eventually became. And... <clears throat> He talks about the things that led him in that direction. But he always gives them one of the main things is the prayers of his mother. The prayers of his mother. And, over, and, he, and I didn't realize until I read it again, like what a big theme that was in his life. That he realized his mother had prayed for 14 years that Augustine would come to the Lord. And, and he, she kept praying. She kept praying. It would have been easy to give up and just say, God has closed that door. But she didn't. And over and over again, there were people in Monica's life who encouraged her and said, and said to her, you know, God is not going to refuse these prayers of a pious woman who's praying over and over again. And sure enough, eventually the light dawned. But she didn't give up. And now it's over what a monument that is to us not to give up in prayer. When we see and things seem hopeless, when the years go on, that the Lord will answer prayer in his own time. And one of the things that encourages us in that is the third thing Jesus wants us to learn from this passage. He wants us to learn about the God of prayer, the God of prayer. Indeed, the key to prayer is really to see the God of prayer. If we're to begin praying with the spirit that we should, it's because we see with the eyes of faith the God of prayer. And that begins by seeing uh, God is great as the one who is almighty, who is awesome, who's glorious, who's full of splendor and wonder, who's holy, whose glory is so great that it is separate from anything else that he has created. But that also he's the creator and that he's all powerful. That's what Jesus, how Jesus begins his prayer. He says, Father, who art in heaven, the one who's exalted, the most high, who's exalted above all his creation, who's able to do all things, Nothing is impossible for him. That's how we should approach God in prayer. But there's one key thing that Jesus says there that also teaches us how we should view God. We should see him as the creator, as the one who is Lord, who governs the world. But we also need to see him particularly as Father. And the, the Bible, of course, in other 
religions, at times God is called a father. But nowhere else like in the Gospels and with Jesus do we see this sense of God as father and because he is the divine son. But he teaches us that when he speaks of his father, he says, I'm going to my father and your father. That we should see him in that same way that Jesus did. And so he begins our father. Now the significance of this is for, for prayer is something is an illustration that he gives. That when, G, when our children, for example, ask us for bread or fish or chicken nuggets and say, Dad, can you take me to McDonald's so we can get some chicken nuggets and french fries? How many fathers will come and say, no, I won't do that, but here's a rock. No, I won't do that, but I've collected some fruit flies in, the, in a trap, and you can eat those. Now, even, almost even like the worst father is not going to do these sorts of things, right? So what he's saying, he says, this is an argument again from the, the lesser to the greater. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, if you know how to take them to McDonald's and give them chicken nuggets and french fries, how much more will your Father in heaven give you what's greatest and what's best, which is the power of the Holy Spirit to become the people that, you're, that he has called you to be? Jesus says, ask and you will receive. And when you, see, when you hear this at first, you might say, Wow, anything I ask for, instantly I get it. Lord, give me a new car, you know, and bam, there it's going to be. And then, of course, we find out pretty quickly that that's not going to be. And what we realize is that God gives us all sorts of things when we ask. God is ready to give us all sorts of things, and we shouldn't close off anything to praying to him because he's able to work in a variety of ways. But when I hear that qualification, I'm also kind of like, so basically, I don't know if he's going to give me anything or not. You know? It's like, I can ask for anything, but I really don't know if I'll get it. Is there any hope? And that's why seeing God as Father is one that gives us hope. It's not just that he says, ask for anything, and maybe you'll get it, maybe not, who knows. But remember who you're asking. You're asking your Father in heaven, who has all these things and is able and willing to give them. And we will not refuse any truly good gift that is needful to his children. That is the confidence that we can have. We should not then look at the problems of the world and say that we are helpless. We shouldn't look at the problems within ourselves, in our families, in our communities, in our nation, in our world, and say that we have no resource because we can ask and we will receive. You know, this year has been an example of that. I mean, for, throughout my life, I've joined with many, many others in praying, in praying that, that God would overturn the Roe versus Wade decision. And in some ways, it's something that I prayed for so long, and it's become such a staple of our national life, that I almost expected that's really never going to happen. But it happened. It happened this year. And how many people, how many Christians prayed that the Lord would overturn that? And the Lord in his own time heard the prayers of his people. 
and did it in a rather remarkable and surprising way. And that should encourage us. What other problems do we see in the world? Issues that threaten us. Issues that seem so much bigger than us. Threats from from around the world in a variety of ways. Wars that are going on. We shouldn't act as if we're helpless. Because God has said to us, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. We are not without resource. We have our Heavenly Father. And that's why Jesus teaches us to pray, Our Father. So go to Him. Ask from Him. He wants to give. He has so much. He wants to provide. He may not, if He doesn't give you exactly what you ask for in the moment that you ask for it, it's only because of His great love for you and because He knows it's not for your best. But He will give good things. Accept it. Believe it. See it. And put in action the prayer to ask so that you might receive, seek that you may find, and knock that the door may be open to it. Because if you then, are, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Amen.